sort of the advice that I say to them is really always try to keep as close to your North Star as possible. There's going to be so much noise going on throughout building this company and certainly a lot of doubt throughout. But as long as you keep to your North Star is why did you create this? What is driving you? What is that driving force? And making sure that that light is still strong and, and within you, then you know that you can accomplish things. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnell, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. Hi, welcome back to the Inspire Podcast. Two months since the world woke up to the global pandemic of COVID-19, we are all adapting. We are figuring out new ways to live safely, to work from home or remotely, and to be productive where we didn't think we might otherwise be able to. And we're doing it all thanks to the people on the front lines who continue to go to work, continue to take care of us in the healthcare system so that we can keep the economy going. And now as we begin to open things up, at least here in Canada and uh, around the world in many places, we find that many ways that we're working will remain the same. You know, we at the Humphrey Group uh, started down our journey to be a digital and virtual learning company a year ago and uh, never let a crisis go to waste. We have embraced that and are very excited to be working with our clients in those ways to build their skills. So some things stay the same, what we do, and some things will change as we, uh, as we move forward. And that's the case for entrepreneurs, and which is what my guest Sharon Zohar talks about today. Uh, she will tell you a bit more about what she does, but she has some unique insights into the challenges facing entrepreneurs and specifically female entrepreneurs, the challenges that they face during the pandemic, but also the broader challenges that they face in things like raising capital, being treated with the respect they deserve and um, showing up in a way that earns them what their companies need to thrive. So my guest today is Sharon Zohar. Enjoy the conversation. Okay, joining me today, uh, Sharon Zohar of The Big Push. Sharon, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Somehow the recording and recordings, I should say, were both deleted from our last interview. <laughs> so you're, you're coming back. So thank you, first of all, for doing it. And thank you for doing it during the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Always interesting. No problem. I'm so, I'm so happy to be here too. Yeah. Yeah. And it is interesting. I mean, because, you know, I think when we had conceived of redoing this interview, we had thought, we'll just do the same interview, but the world has changed so profoundly and your organization really is in this unique space that you see startups, you know, you help startups, you give them the push as it were to, you know, grow. And now we're suddenly faced with uh, an economy that is essentially on pause and for companies that don't have revenue or have little revenue, they're having to make some dire choices. And, that, and I'm guessing that's what your companies are facing. Is that, is that right? Yeah, we're seeing, uh, like so many others, small businesses, uh, early stage startups, uh, struggling really through this whole COVID-19 crisis. And 
it's really, I think we spoke earlier about this being a surreal moment where so many people, if not everyone who you know, is, is obviously touched by it in some form. And businesses are really struggling to figure out how to, uh, there isn't, this is a new normal, right? We have to figure out what that new normal is. And, and there's a lot of struggles that um, I've engaged with many founders and entrepreneurs. And uh, yeah, there, there's concern, there's worry, uh, but there are some plans in action and mm-hmm. in place. So, so that's what we're focusing on. Yeah. And we'll get to how you're advising them and what kind of communication advice you're providing, what the best are doing, but maybe we just take a step back and you have founded an organization called the big push. So for those who don't know it, what is the big push? So the big push, it's a business accelerator for women entrepreneurs And our focus is really on helping uh, grow women-led companies through resources and expertise uh, through our network of uh, senior executives and investors and others who really provide time and really roll up their sleeves in helping to execute growth plans where there are gaps in their company. So just imagine having a senior uh, marketing expert or an HR expert or whoever it may be within your whatever business lever you need help you through your through your gap through your time. And that's what we focus on in order for these women-led companies to to grow and thrive and be ready for investment down the line. And what led you to create the big push? Uh, much of what it led me was my own experience. Uh, I've been an entrepreneur for uh, many years. I've built different types of companies and I've had several different experiences in my journeys in building these companies. And when I was going through it at the time, I didn't think it was what I thought actually was it mostly felt as if it was only happening to me. But over time and having many discussions with many other women entrepreneurs, I realized this isn't, this isn't just me. This is a, a and, and uh, happening all around. And so one of the things that was going on was the, the area in investment that I kept on facing uh, difficulty in raising the types of capital that I was raising, finding the networks that I needed to be really connected with. And uh, as I sort of wrapped up my last business, um, and, I, and I got out okay, I didn't, you know, I was able to sort of exit without too much, uh, too much pain, as it were, but uh, learned a lot. And I thought, at that point, I wanted to do something different and provide an opportunity for other women-led companies to really be able to do better and faster without all of the struggles that I went through. And from all my learnings, I, I built a big push to help support that. If you could go into a bit more detail, you said, you know, when you were an entrepreneur, you were trying to raise capital, there were these things that you were experiencing and initially you thought they were uniquely challenges that you were facing, but came to realize they were much broader. What kind of challenges were you finding in your time as an entrepreneur? Well, often when I would go into investor rooms, I would be asked really interesting questions that at the time I didn't realize was uh, heavily biased. I almost accepted them as something that investors do because I was solely in there in the beginning uh, thinking these are the kinds of questions investors ask everyone, whether it be females, males, otherwise. So, and I didn't really take to heart. I just, all I thought was maybe my, my product, maybe my service wasn't really in line. But the more it would happen, I would walk into these rooms and I would realize that these questions really were really tailored in a way that didn't feel right. And as I, uh, there was an oppor- a time when uh, one of my companies, my technical CTO was there with me and all the questions were being directed at him in a, in a different form. And it was all very positive questions like how we're going to get this revenue and how, you know, all the positivity behind the growth. And for me, it was all about 
how would I manage my children and manage my time oh. to be able to, <laughs> to be able to get this company to the next level? I'm thinking, wow. <laughs> wasn't asked of the same from him. Yeah. He has children just the same. So those were curious. So you know this bias, you know this um, unconscious or, or, or unconscious uh, in how you were perceived. What other obstacles did you notice? I know we, you've mentioned networking over to me in the past. Right. Um, so networking was also um, an area that I thought was in, in aspects heavily biased. Um, you know, we talk about a bro culture and there was a large bro culture, certainly as I was growing uh, the businesses over the, over the past couple of decades. Um, and even to, you know, recent times where the networks are really, you know, you walk into a room and when you're pretty much the only female in the room, it's kind of jarring and you have to figure your way through that and try to articulate and get your uh, vision and your, your across to people and to, and to connect, uh, wasn't, wasn't, it didn't feel natural. It was, it was fairly difficult at times. And so um, also the networks that were happening were, you know, always after, after hours at bars and drinking and those kinds of things. And it didn't really kind of fit with right. the lifestyle that I wanted or that I, you know, there weren't a bunch and learns or opportunities to, to, to engage in ways that, that felt right and felt, uh, you know, open for everyone. And, and so I think when, I imagine that when we add up obstacles like these kind of structural realities, individual elements of bias, these are some of the reasons why women-led founders are recipients of so much fewer, uh, so many fewer dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and perhaps you have some of the statistics. I've heard them, but I'm sure you have them at, at hand of how dire the yeah. discrepancy is. Yeah, the, I mean, the discrepancy is incredible. I mean, this 3%, uh, and I think it may have gone to 3.1%. Like, it's, 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 it's creeping up in so slow. <laughs> progress, progress. Progress, <laughs> hard, hardly. Yeah, exactly. Uh, 3% of venture capital-backed um, dollars are go towards women-led companies. And that's just not right. Uh, there's no other way to say yeah, it. And, wow. and, there, and, and that's the struggle that we, we come through. Because in order to really build a business, we do need the capital mm-hmm. to, to get it to that next stage. And we need to shed a light on why that's happening uh, and what we can do to change that narrative. And so ultimately, I guess you decide instead of uh, dealing with these problems, you would create an organization that helps uh, women founders overcome them. And so how does the big push work today? It's kind of, you said it's an incubator. So mm-hmm. what exactly does that mean if you're a woman founder? So um, as a woman founder, you would come to us or apply through either our website or uh, we also have uh, larger events called the Pitch and Pairs where we actually go into a city and we really identify 10 of the most promising led companies and we put them in a room and we really understand and identify what their needs are. And they get to pitch their ask into a room full of experts who are provide expertise across all areas of business. And they are then matched and they get to mm-hmm. be matched with their expert so that they can go away and create a growth plan and then really execute to that growth plan. So this is, again, beyond mentorship. There are many other accelerators and incubators that provide great mentorship and support. But our expert network really offers you know, deep dive into not only building that growth plan, but if it's, say, a PR program, then they're writing press releases and calling media and setting things up. It's an extra pair of hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, that really helps them fill up that gap and help them get further down the path towards success. So that that was your experience. You went through this. You dealt with these structural and individual biases. You founded the Big Push to help women founders so they could overcome them. What programs does the Big Push offer? 
So the Big Push offers three programs in all various stages of growth. The very first uh, program that we are uh, looking to launch, actually, we're just at the precipice of launching, is a, a program called the Road to, uh, Road to Success. And that's a, essentially a workshop, which is a one-day full immersive workshop that provides about 30 women entrepreneurs the opportunity to sit into um, a room where a scale-up company like a Wattpad or Tophat or companies who have really been able to really scale their, their organization they're provided a full day immersive curriculum about from idea to scale, what it takes to build a company, foundations behind it, what it takes to build the MVP, the hunt for money, everything that's sort of involved in it. Mm -hmm. And it's a really immersive day where the leadership team of, of those companies sit down, share their story, and also answer, answer questions and help provide um, direction towards these, uh, these companies. And we have those uh, and are be rolling out those monthly. So that's always fun. And that's open to any women entrepreneurs. And so it's not mm -hmm. really focused necessarily on tech only. So we really want to open up the wider gate to help as many people get a sense of, is this, knowing what that large path is, where am I in that trajectory and how can this help me? Mm -hmm. And really evaluating to think about what to do. Okay, that's so that's the, program one. That's program one. Program two is called the Liftoff Program. And we launched that in January. And the Liftoff program is uh, highly supported as well with our sponsor, uh, TD Bank, who's uh, recognized the need to really help support women entrepreneurs uh, at the grassroots level, at the bank level. And so what the Liftoff program really is, it's a one-to-one -one expert matching where we identify exactly where the gaps are within your company and start by providing you that very first expert, whether it's in marketing, business development, HR, you know, product and they work together for a period of three months to identify what that growth plan can be. And, and that expert really works alongside the company to, to execute towards it. The program allows you up to three experts that you can do a full mm -hmm. deep dive within the year. And then, of course, you get other opportunities of, of being part of any other events that we have that we continue to have. Mm -hmm. Sorry, for the Liftoff program, we look at companies that are at pre-seed stage where they have a product in the market. They may not have that much revenue, but they definitely have some pilots or some customer on the horizon. Mm -hmm. And uh, the final program is our full-blown accelerator. And that is essentially an equity exchange where we, we take in about uh, provide about $150,000 worth of professional services mm -hmm. that we give to the company over a period of nine to 12 months. And we really shape that, that company to get them ready and walking them into the doors of, of investors and uh, series A support. And how many companies in all three programs to date has the big push pushed? <laughs> <laughs> uh, in all three programs. Um, so yes. for every, yeah, so we've done um, about, uh, and sorry, one other program, it's not a program, but it's our marketing event where we draw all of our experts and our companies is, okay. is the pitch and pair. And I know there's a lot of things going on here, but it really works really well through it. So the pitch and pair really is where we draw a lot of um, value to provide value to these companies. So every pitch and pair, we bring in 10 companies. So that's, we've had three pitch and pairs. Mm. So that's 30 companies that have had an opportunity to really get that uh, visibility and ac accessibility to our expert network mm -hmm. um, alongside about five that have gone through our full accelerator program and another five that have gone through our liftoff program. Uh, and, and as you've, I know you provide the expert network, you provide the funding, you provide the opportunities. And, and I know you personally have built relationships with a lot of these founders. And, and so I'm wondering from a communication standpoint, let's talk first about 
some advice you give them generally. And then let's talk in light of what's going on in the world today. Mm-hmm. Because I think people listening would you know, want to understand what kind of leadership is required, uh, whether they're running a startup or not. And I'm sure you have some advice there. So let's just start first with some of the common piece of advice you give to women founders. What do you, what do you tell them? sort of the advice that I say to them is really always try to keep as close to your North Star as possible. There's going to be so much noise going on throughout building this company and certainly a lot of doubt throughout. But as long as you keep to your North Star as why did you create this? What is driving you? What is that driving force? And making sure that that light is still strong and and within you, then you know that you can accomplish things. Okay, Um, so you've you've got the North Star, then you're actually going out there to do the things that founders do like raise capital, build networks, run a company. Let's start with raising capital. And you talked about the fact that you face bias. Do you think the founders you mentor still face those biases? And secondly, if they do, what advice do you give them about how to communicate to get past them? Well, I think the biases still do exist. I think there's a lot more education around it. So more people are definitely being aware of what is out there. The other part to that is that we are seeing a growth, uh, more uh, women investors on the other side of the table. So that certainly helps in being able to translate your innovation and your, and your, your passion to, to more than just a team of white men. Uh, so it is a little bit more balanced. And so that, that conversation is getting better. It's not quite there yet. There is some growth in the, on the mm-hmm. investment arena mm-hmm. side. But what I do say to them, you know, when you walk into an investor, you have to remember that it's their luck that you're there, that, that, that you're there. It's for them that they have the opportunity to listen to you. I think we often get really get worried and concerned about uh, taking up too much of their time and not being able to answer as swiftly and quickly as possible. We have to walk in with the confidence to know that you are giving them this chance to really listen to what you have to say. And when you switch that around, it's a mindset. You recognize that you can own that room and you can mm-hmm. be as confident as possible. And when, when questions come to you that may seem off-putting or, or mm-hmm. biased, you still have your strong, confident voice that you can turn it around and uh, and answer strongly so so that's what you have to kind of switch your mind on to i I love that perspective and we have our women's leadership program called taking the stage it's really what you described this first step is know know you have a right to be there they they are lucky that you're there and so absolutely make make sure you're heard okay let's turn to networking because again i'm going to ask you do you think things have changed and how do you advise female founders to network today well, networking has changed to some degree. Uh, there's about every opportunity to network prior to, I'm sure, what we're going to be speaking about soon in terms of where we are today from the crisis standpoint. Yeah, <laughs> um, Zoom, Zoom networking yeah. with our kids in the background. <laughs> exactly. has really taken on a different, yeah. uh, you know, different color for sure. Uh, but prior, but sort of pre-COVID, as it were, um, networking was really growing in different ways. So uh, I did see a, a really good stretch of organizations, both women-led organizations or other organizations who recognize that there's different ways to network, uh, not only large-scale conferences, but uh, lunch and learns, uh, opportunities to do really interesting breakfasts, um, finding different methods and, and ways to, to bring people together, all, all sorts of people together in the same room. So it's not only exclusive to just women or just men, but uh, so, so I, did see, I have been seeing over the past couple of years some really interesting uh, networking opportunities, and that that's that's a good light uh, to to shine on. There's always good positive news there, mm-hmm. and 
That's good to and hear. But with all of that, obviously now it's sort of kind of refocusing on where we are today yeah. and, and taking that networking piece uh, online. It's been a positive and at the same time, you know, different and challenging. I think we're just kind of figuring our way through how do we, mm-hmm. how do we create this as the new normal and what does that mean for us from a networking standpoint and to be able to communicate to our customers, our investors, uh, you know, our team members uh, to work in this remote world. How do we get that same message across as, as powerfully as we can in person? Yeah, and, and it's a good segue to the world we're in now. So when we look at this world we're in, where so many companies have essentially shut down, where the economy here in Canada and mm-hmm. the U.S. is on pause. I've heard some people describe it as in the freezer, you know, as we all, yeah. we all kind of tighten up to support social distancing in the pandemic. What are your founder-led companies facing? I think they're facing what everybody's facing. You know, like there's the stages of fear right right away. And, uh, you know, the, the three areas that, that any company is concerned about is, is revenue is cash, right? So what they have to do right away. A lot of them are trying to just hold on to their employees. That's a huge concern. How do they do that? I mean, thankfully, the government is stepping in with mm-hmm. uh, a number of different types of wage subsidies and support. Uh, but there's still a lot to be done in that area. They're concerned about operational costs, like how do we keep those costs low what, outside of just the employees? How do we sustain our burn rate? Uh, you know, what, what is our burn rate right now? How do we just tighten up things as quickly as possible so that we can still provide a value at the end of the day? And I think that's the concern is like, how much do we strip down that right. we actually are a company that is doing what it wants to do and that what had set out to do? And if, it's ha- and if it's not that anymore, then what is it? And what is the next sort of pivot that they need to do in order to stay alive uh, mm-hmm. to manage themselves through this? So if you're advising these founders who are going through this process, what would you say the top three communication imperatives you would convey to them are? I would say just, you know, look really closely at your bottom line, like really strip it down. What is it you really need? What is it mm-hmm. you don't? I think everybody knows kind of that's kind of the triage piece, right? Let's just say, well, you know, take a full view of where you are today. What's that cash flow look like? Where can you cut, you know, the trim the fat as most best as possible? What what can you live on uh, right now as, you know, moving forward? And I think everybody in, in, in the world is looking to do, is doing just that. Uh, but once you've kind of got those pieces down and then, you know, the next step is um, a real, for me at least, it's always been an internal reflection. It's like, where do I want to go from here? Mm-hmm. What, what is my next step? Uh, and this is a, a time actually to be a little bit quiet. I mean, not too long because everybody's feeling like the fear is if I'm too quiet too long, things will, will fall apart. And there's some sobering things about like, if you can't move forward as you were before, and if this is a change in you, what, what is that next step could look like? I mean, the first thing is, I'm sorry, just to back up, the first thing we should act quickly to just kind of, you know, triage ourselves and mm-hmm. figure out what we need to do now. And then take a second to pause and think about what it is that what is going to be that next step because moving too quickly can actually also hurt your business and going in a direction that may not be not only authentic but not you know not realistic for sustainability down the line so those are things to think about after that soul searching piece and then what once you've done that soul searching who do you communicate to or, or what's the next step and then and then just grab your network and grab the people around you and bring in the team that you have with you. And then you hunker down and you say, we're, we're, you know, and then you start building up your strategy Mm. forward. 
you know, like a, like anything else, where you need the people around you to to help build you up and to really kind of help you uh, guide you forward. Because as you're forging new ground now, mm-hmm. this is something completely different. Nobody has ever been in this situation before. Uh, customers are going to be wanting or needing different things, leaving, questioning. So bring the closest. Once you figure it out, what you you know where you want to turn this you know what's what's the next step then bring those closest to you around you and um and start you know start start moving step by step and it's again it's like one foot in front of the other you may not have the answer yet it's like starting the company and many times over again especially as, as an early stage company because you started this whole process and now maybe much of your business isn't even valid anymore you know so now you have to re-engage and start again it takes real resilience for, for entrepreneurs and can imagine that having, as you said, having the network that the big push brings to them is probably invaluable for not only information, but emotional support during this time. Absolutely. Yes. That's what we need. Well, this has been very helpful. I think, you know, the lessons I'm taking away from this are how important it is, you know, whether you describe it as your North Star or going away to do the reflection, how important it is to really begin with clarity of thinking about who you are, what you stand for before you go out to communicate it. And then to have the courage through, you know, networking, through knowing you have a right to be in the room, through speaking up with confidence to convey that to others and and believe that you can be there and believe that you can do it. And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Uh, and that's what it's going to take uh, along with along with an end to social distancing to uh, <laughs> back. But we know it's a, an economic crisis brought on by a health crisis. So Let's get the health stuff fixed first in the world. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And it will come. Absolutely. Well, Sharon, I appreciate you taking the time again <laughs> to talk to me. And I wish you and the big push and all your founders all success in the coming weeks and months. Thank you very much, Bart. It's Thanks. been wonderful. Hey, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sharon Zohar. You know, it really validates the dangers of unconscious bias. When you look at those numbers of low percentages of female startup capital raise, it shows why we all need to be aware of unconscious bias and work hard to overcome it. And it's great to know that entrepreneurs like Sharon are doing their part to help connect women founders, women entrepreneurs with the support that they need to thrive, particularly during a time like this. Next time on the Inspire Podcast, I welcome a, a very different kind of guest. Her name's Nat Harrison, and she is the owner, um, founder of a, a fitness studio. But she's got a great story. She left the corporate world. She'd risen to a senior role at Nike and then realized it wasn't doing it for her. And so she's founded this business to talk about not just fitness, but really moving the body to move and change the mind. And so in these times where physical fitness is so key to keeping us healthy. Her ideas and principles are of relevance to anyone who wants to keep their energy going so they can lead and thrive. So that's my next conversation. Stay safe until then.